Hey, Consume listeners, Jamie Lewis here. I've been wanting to try new formats for the podcast, and this sixth season, I changed things up a bit. Every guest this season is a person of color in the wine and food industry, and roughly half of the interviews are conducted by Justin Tribu, a young black winemaker with a talent for honesty and conversation. This is a temporary format. I'll be back to hosting all the episodes myself next season, but it feels like a really important change this time around. As much as I could, I wanted to facilitate real discussion, and Justin's input and guidance helped a lot with that. I would have had her do all 10 episodes, but she was in the throes of harvest. So for what she was able to contribute, I'm very grateful. You may want to hear my interview with Justin first and listen on from there. Oh, and yeah, we're on Zoom again for these episodes. In any case, thank you so much for listening and happy sixth season of Consumed. Consumed is sponsored by my friends at Slow Life Magazine, for whom I write the food column. For the 2020 October-November issue, I'm writing about ribs in Slow County, and I included the Rib Line in Grover Beach, G Brothers in San Luis Obispo, and Miss Odette's Creole Kitchen in Paso Robles. It's been a sticky week around here, let me tell you, but I'm putting the finishing touches on the article now. If you live in San Luis Obispo or Avila Beach, check your mailbox for Slow Life Magazine every other month. And if you don't already get it, subscribe at slowlifemagazine.com. Consumed is also supported by James Onaveros at Ranchos de Onaveros Wine in the Santa Maria Valley. If you haven't already listened to my episode with James in season one, I'll tell you, he's a ninth generation agriculturalist with roots that go back to when California was governed by Spain. His ancestors had this massive land grant and it was sold off in pieces until there was nothing left but he and his parents worked hard to buy back a parcel that overlooks the land that used to be their family's, and James planted his Pinot Noir vineyard there with his own two hands at the tender age of 23. I think one of the craziest things about James is that his last name, Onaveros, means the one true vine. The coolest part of his story, though, is that the wine is absolutely beautiful, with a very Burgundian style and influence. Taste that storyline for yourself by visiting the station in Los Alamos, where Ranchos de Onaveros wines are sold, along with elevated Santa Maria-style cuisine from Chef Conrad Gonzalez. For more information, visit ranchosdeonaveros.com or thestationlosalamos.com. Saman Mitchelson was born in South Africa and has since called several places home, including Michigan, New Zealand, and Santa Barbara County. It was her time working in restaurants that got her interested in wine, and she spent her first harvest on Waiheke Island in New Zealand for Stony Ridge Vineyard. Since then, she's had her hand in several vintages all over the world, most recently in Lompoc. At the time of this interview, she had just taken a job with Tin City Cider, opening their new tasting room in Los Olivos, California. Simon is passionate about bringing other Black and Indigenous people of color along in the wine industry. I love this interview she had with guest host Justin Trebu because it brings into focus their dynamic as the authors of an open letter to the wine industry about race. Simon and Justin wrote this letter to ask for the support of the industry they love. I've included a link to that letter in the show notes at letsgetconsumed.com. Their goal was to crowdfund $5,000 to donate to Race Matters Slow, a local organization that advocates for Black and Indigenous lives on California's Central Coast. But they raised way beyond $5,000. Saman and Justin raised $14,500. 
Listen to them discuss Simone's big family, her experiences as a black woman in the wine industry, and what she wants to see next for this place she calls home. Here's Justin's talk with Simone Mitchelson. Welcome, Simone. We're so Hi. happy to have you this week for being here. How, um, how long have you been living in San Luis Obispo for? Um, in San Luis Obispo County, um, this is actually July marks two years. So I've been here for two years. Fabulous. So not that long. Okay. Um, yeah. When I first moved here, I lived actually in Slow, like basically downtown Slow off of Santa Rosa. And now I live in Arroyo Grande. How do you like it down there? I love Arroyo Grande is cool. Okay. Um, and the village is cute and it's small and we're still really close to the ocean. And I'm like 20 minutes away from Lake Lopez. Oh, and yeah. it's a, I love this location. It's good. And it's a little bit quieter too, which I personally prefer. Do you ever hear the roosters? No, when you go to town, you do like once you're downtown, you hear them like <laughs> they get wild. Like I'm low key afraid of them. Oh no, I'm, I'm kind of scared of chickens. <laughs> like I, I am chickens. Oh, so I don't mess with chickens. Me neither. And David makes fun of me because like their faces, they're like coming after you, and I get like kind of freaked out. So <laughs> no, I don't mess with chickens either. So before coming to Aurora Grande, San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara County, where did you live before that? Where did you grow up? Um, it's kind of long-winded and a little all over the show. So I was born in Durban, South Africa. That's where my family's from. My dad's side, my mom's side is from Cape Town on the West Coast. Um, but we immigrated to the States in the early, oh, mid-90s. Um, and we moved to Michigan. My mother got a job as a physical therapist. Um, in Kalamazoo. Mm -hmm. And then we moved to Grand Rapids shortly thereafter. Um, but I left Michigan when I was 17, um, right after I graduated high school. And I moved to New Zealand, me and my older sister first, and my family came later. And I lived there for six years. And then in 2016, um, I moved to Northern California and got a job in um, Sonoma. And I lived in Sonoma for a year. And I worked between two different vineyards beside an obsidian ridge and then did a harvest at flowers in like, um, in Healdsburg area, but the vineyard is extreme Sonoma coast, like Casadero area. Beautiful. And then I did a short stint in Tasmania. And after that, I came back to California. So that's the short version. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Out of everywhere you've ever lived, what's been your favorite place? Um, probably New Zealand. All right. Yeah. I I mean, people give Auckland a lot of shit. Are we allowed to swear? People give Auckland, like, I don't know, a lot of stuff. Uh -huh. <laughs> but it's still, it's such a beautiful city, and it's incredibly international. There's tons of tourism. Really beautiful. Um, I used to work on Waiheke Island, which was, like, 40 minutes ferry you have to take from. Oh, we um, can swear, swear, swear. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you. <laughs> well, now that that Pandora's box has been opened. So <laughs> fucking Waiheke Island is so beautiful. And that's where I did my first harvest, actually, was Waiheke. So I take the ferry and I come back to the mainland. And yeah, they, they are basically the ones who really gave me my start in wine production. I love that. How did you um, realize that you wanted to study, uh, what, that you wanted to learn about wine and work with wine? Honestly, 
it was just because I worked in a bar and restaurant while I was studying in Auckland. Um, so my studies were kind of short-lived. I was studying to be a physical therapist, health science, get into the medical field. And I was working in a bar. Well, it was a fine dining restaurant. I was um, working in a fine dining restaurant, um, <laughs> which was like my first introduction to hospitality. And it was super fast paced. It was really high end. We were busy all the time. It was Rugby World Cup in 2011. So we were just like, we were getting slammed. Yes. But it's such a good introduction, you know, like you're getting thrown yes. into the deep end. Like you have to learn, like you sink or swim. And I kind of love the chaos. And Oh, yes. I mean, that's the wine industry too, you know, like that's harvest <laughs> in a nutshell. Oh, yes. Chaos. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, as a part of our training there, I had a couple really good mentors there who I was 18 when I started working in the restaurant. And in New Zealand, you're 18 when you can drink. Yes. So, yeah, so I could actually like sit in on the wine tastings and we would do like structured tastings. And then we'd sit down with winemakers from around the country and um, from Australia or if we had like visiting winemakers from overseas, South America or South Africa, or wherever, France. Um, and they'd sit down and do... Um, they talk us through their portfolio, really. And I just, I didn't grow up in a family that drank alcohol. Like my biggest exposure to alcohol first was church wine. And <laughs> after that, like really bad vodka when I was like 15. And that was like, that's what I thought the alcoholic experience was. Right. Tasting this terrible nonsense. And <laughs> the point is to get like tipsy. But this was like my first proper introduction to, um, I guess, sophisticated drinking. Right. Um, so, yeah, I would say that restaurant is really what struck my interest. Um, and I had worked with an executive chef who was a master chef. He had like his own show in New Zealand called Master Chef New Zealand. And his name was Simon Gulp. And he was kind of the one who was just like, you know, the way that you speak about wine it seems like you've been doing it for years. Like, have you ever thought about doing a harvest and working in wine? And I was just like, I didn't even know that that was an option. I didn't know that people oh, yes. for a living. And then I spoke to um, one of our distributors and he was just like, yeah, just put out some feelers. And what's the worst that people can say? It's no. So yeah. I reached out to a winery on Waikiki Island. And I was like, look, I'll work for free. I just want to get some experience. I want to learn about this. Um, and see if it's something that I'm interested in. And they were like, okay, sweet, free labor. Like, let's yep, go. Always get paid. <laughs> For real. I learned my lesson. Yeah. Um, For everyone who's you, listening, always get paid for your harvest. Paid for your labor. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, but they were, they were great. And it was, I had a really incredible first experience in yes. that winery. It was just me, the head winemaker and his assistant winemaker. And we worked in the winery and then we had a great team, um, of basically seasonal workers, people who are coming from all over the world to pick grapes for like their 80 days or whatever it is in Australasia. So you do like your certain period of farm work and then you can stay for longer. Okay. But yeah, we just had a really great international team and it was so much fun. And that was like really when I was like, I can travel the world and make wine and drink wine and meet cool people and have this actually be a career. So you said you have siblings. How many do you have? And when you were in New Zealand and down under, mm -hmm. did they did they enjoy wine as much as you did? Or did they have more of a relationship similar to your parents? 
Ooh, baby, they are, they still are underage. So okay. um, I, I very much tell them though, like if I'm drinking a glass of wine at home, I'm like, here, smell it, taste it. You're at home. It's cool. And well, how many um, siblings do you have? How old are they? Immediate siblings. I'm one of six. Okay. So we range from my youngest sister's 15 and my oldest sister is 29. Okay. Um, but I have four stepbrothers and sisters too. All right. So, yes. So I guess I'm one of 10. <laughs> Big family. I yeah. I, I don't really feel like I've said that out loud before. Like I'm one of 10 kids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> A lot of children. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it keeps it fun and Christmases are great and we're all really tight. So What's your um, so you said you grew up in South Africa. What's your family's relationship back to South Africa? Would you say they go back often? Would you say you know a lot about the history of your culture? Um, I know a decent amount about the history of my culture because I was very curious about okay. it. My parents did not want to speak about it. They both my parents grew up in apartheid South Africa. My mother being on the West Coast, my father being on the East Coast, and he's darker skinned and she's lighter skinned, but they're both classified as coloreds or called coloreds in South Africa. Um, but we left when I was really young. Right. But my family at the time, they still, we would go back like maybe every three years, go back and see family. And um, my mother has a little bit smaller family, but my dad is one of 12 kids. Mm -hmm. So... Yes, it's it's kind of what you would think. Everyone has just really big personalities. They, I feel like I really had to pull stories from my father, but his brothers and sisters were much more open to talking about their childhood. My grandmother had no problem selling out my dad and saying like all the bad shit that he used to do when he was oh, young. She no. loved it. I loved it. Yes, <laughs> my mom Edie was the one. I loved her so much. Um, <laughs> But I mean, South Africa's culture is just so incredibly rich. I don't know as much as I would like to know. Okay. Um, I'm definitely still learning, but there's, we had a couple books in my house growing up about Nelson Mandela and there's just a massive reverence for him still in that country. Yes. There will be forever. Forever and always. Yeah. For good reason. Mm -hmm. He completely changed the course of that country. Yes, he did. So my next question for you is what has been one of your biggest surprises in working within the wine industry? Biggest surprises. Um, I think I came in a little bit ignorant, like most people are to the wine industry, thinking that it was like super glamorous and um, I was just going to be like tasting barrels all day and yep. I'm doing my first harvest. I'm like knee deep in lees and it's <laughs> not, uh, it's not a pretty job. <laughs> there's it's a lot of physical labor um and you're messy for like three months of the year you're deep in grapes you're deep in pressing you're deep in juice you're doing racking you are sorting on tables yes, yes, you're yes. sampling just it's intense and I thought this was going to be just like this life of leisure and that is not the case it's not um, and everybody thinks it is. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you how many times people have been like, so what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, I work in wine. And they're like, oh, so you stomp grapes. And I'm like, yeah. So but you said it when you started in the wine industry, mm -hmm. you started off in hospitality. And then as you worked through, you got more into production. Yes. If you could choose one, which would you choose? 
production. I would choose production. <laughs> this year, um, I've started doing a lot more of the farming work, um, which I've always really been interested in. And that's, I've, I've been talking about it now for a good couple of years, actually taking classes in viticulture and learning more about vineyard management. That's something that I've always been interested in. And I'm, I, Personally, like I love production and I love working with my hands. Um, if I can have like maybe a day right. on like the tasting room side and talking about it and engaging with customers. And then like that's my social time. Like that's me being a little bit more outgoing and extroverted and talking to people. And then I can like be a little bit more recluse in the cellar and just turn on my music and go about my business and so you yeah. said you've been farming. Where have you been farming? So my boyfriend and I are making our first wine this year. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Um, cool climate, Syrah. Uh, and it's actually not far from our apartment. It's right outside of Lopez Lake and it's really beautiful property. And we've been going out there and he actually did all the pruning, which is fine. Um, I think we went out there, um, we've been going out there consistently and doing like shoot thinning and leaf pulling. Eurasian started out there now. So, yeah. I mean, what is it? 42 days from if when Eurasian starts? Know, what is Eurasian? Eurasian is when the grapes start there. It's like the initial period of ripening. The Perfect. sugars are starting to increase. The grapes are starting to fill up with that good juice and, um, get ready to be picked. But that's Perfect. like the first stages, mixed coloration. Are you only getting fruit from this area? Yes, at the moment. I would love to. I There's so many places that I want to source fruit from and make wine <laughs> from. And I like, I've been thinking about it a lot this year. Take too. your time. You've got all the time in the world. I know, but I'm just so impatient. <laughs> I'm like, well, we're making this one. So we might as well like make these other two and yada, yada, yada. And just like, again, throw ourselves into the deep end. But David's very much like, you need to be a little reasonable. Yes. We have uh, this little plot of land. That's okay for now. And I'm like, okay. I love it. I love it. Gotta start, <laughs> gotta start somewhere. Yes. So yeah. I saw you were sipping on some wine. Mm -hmm. What wine is in your glass? Um, you know this bottle. Ooh. Amplify. Amplify. <laughs> so this is the Amplify Alberino. Um, they source this Albarino from Santa Inez from C5 Vineyard. Um, for anyone who doesn't know Amplify's wines, they're a beautiful family, Cam, Mar, and their son, Miles. Um, and they live in Santa Barbara County. That's where they were born and raised. And they make natural wines. Okay. So minimal intervention, um, minimal sulfur, but it's a big passion of theirs to focus on the ethical treatment of farm workers, which is something that I really resonate with. I know that you really care yes. about this too. And it's something that we um, are really trying to stress in this industry right now is the agriculture component and the people who are actually stewards of the land and how we're looking after them for looking after this product that is our lives and our careers. Um, so I really appreciate Cam and Mar and what they do and, um, they're beautiful people, and I like supporting them. So that yes. is what I'm drinking, and it is delicious. Yes, yes, yes. Cheers to that. Super crisp. Lots of green apple. Yeah, really easy to drink. It's such, like, today was so goddamn hot. 
So this is like my <laughs> cool down line. Out. I was stacking barrels outside and moving them from winery to winery. I'm just like, oh, I'm definitely sunburning. Do not go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did not you end the question right out of my mouth. Thank you for talking about that. Absolutely. So my next question for you is what are some of your main sources for support? Um, and some of the resources that you use within wine, as well as, you know, learning about your own culture and about being black and about all, everything that's been going on with the Black Lives Movement Matters movement. Yeah. Um, I would say my number one support, number one and two, are definitely my older sister. She's everything to me. And she understands me more than anyone else because our experiences are basically identical. Um, Sister, 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 that's back on Netflix now. I know, I saw hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. We always used to joke around that Taryn was Tia and I was Tamara. Amazing. And our little brother Lydon was Taj. Yes, Taj Mowry. He's so cute. He's so cute. Taj, if you're listening, come <laughs> with us. <laughs> Hi, we'll, we'll give you wine. Um, why in exchange for hanging out with us? <laughs> um, but yeah, Taryn for sure. She's just, she's been there for me and we've grown so much in our relationship and we're constantly teaching each other. Like we send each other different articles to read and definitely send each other memes because we know we need to laugh. Um, and yeah, she's just a rock and an incredible person. She's a nurse working on the COVID award in Australia and thank you, Taryn. Yeah, thank you. She is a hero. Um, my boyfriend, for sure. And he probably bears the brunt of it because I have been incredibly mood swinging over the past few months, as I'm sure. Emotional as you should be. Yeah. I've been a roller coaster as well. Thank you, Haven. Seriously. Shout out to the boyfriends. Shout out to the boyfriends. <laughs> Especially in interracial relationships. They're learning, too. It's a whole different ball game. It really is. And I never like, this is never something that I really considered having to talk about is constantly reminding him to be anti-racist. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like I do X, Y, and Z. What are you doing? And holding him accountable. Accountability um, is key. Seriously. And it can get incredibly uncomfortable because I know sometimes He's had a hard day at work and he comes home and I'm in this mood and I'm just like, I need to talk about this. And he's very much just like, no, I want to sit down and play FIFA and not do anything and drink a bottle of wine. And I'm just like, and you're like, I've been educating myself all day. Can yeah. Just take this moment for me? while working yes. while making dinner while doing yes. all these things. Yeah. Even though I understand that you're tired, but the work doesn't end and you exactly. need to show me that you are actively trying to be anti-racist. Because the work never ends for black people. It's not work, it's our day-to-day -day life. It's, it's our everyday, it's our 24 seven, except for when we're sleeping. But even then, I live in fear, I feel it. I dream about it. <laughs> I dream about it, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, within the wine industry, I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you right now, you have been monumental for me over the past few months and I'm so, less that we met randomly at a woman winemakers event and we just like locked eyes and talked oh, for like 30 seconds. People. Yeah. Oh, I'm so thankful for you, Simone. And we've been close 
ever since I sent you a DM. It's so I've like known you forever and always. Yeah. And the thing is, between like in our relationship too, we we have very similar experiences because we're black women in wine. We're trying to build our careers and we want to start businesses of our own someday. We're both constantly educating ourselves as well as passing each other information, but not even just education, sending each other live vids, sending each other lots of memes, sending each other like just cooking videos on things outside of that too. Mm -hmm. And things about COVID and things about our, this presidency and just, it's, it's, holding each other accountable, holding space for each other. But also what I really appreciate is you sending me things that I've never considered before. Like we've talked about unlearning so many times now and it's nothing like I had to learn that I have to unlearn. You know what I mean? Like, yes, yes. For me, I think I really let my subconscious biases undermine my thinking a lot. Yes. And now you're a reminder to me. And because you remind me, I also like I'm checking myself like when I'm driving and I have mad road rage and there's someone in front of me and I might like have a thought that I definitely shouldn't be having. And I'm just like, you know what? I need to chill and take a deep breath because that is not cool. Yes. And to be honest, I've never done that before. Um, So having friends that hold you accountable is massive. And spreading people, it forward, yes. Absolutely. The people in your circle really reflect like what you believe in and how you see yourself and who you want to be, and you grow together. Yes. So uh, thank you, Justin. I appreciate you Aww. so much. <laughs> hey there, a quick interlude to talk about another one of my supporters. Slow Food Co-op's mission is to empower health and well-being in the community by providing quality products and exceptional customer service. Community-owned Slow Food Co-op buys from local producers, ensuring that they offer their customers real and sustainable food. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining non-GMO standards and environmentally sustainable packaging. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop. And visit the Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. So, you said we met a few months ago at this Santa Barbara Woman in Wine event. Mm -hmm. And a few months ago, George Floyd was murdered. And we decided to come up with a call to action to the local wine industry. Let's talk about this. How did people respond? Did they respond in the ways in which you thought they would? Did anyone not reply? And did you feel like there was performative allyship in response to our letter? Um, I think. Also, talk about what the letter is first. Okay. Okay. All right. I got you. So we wrote this letter. Basically, the point was to hold the wine industry accountable for being one of the major industries that said nothing, that on our feeds, we both follow a lot of wine accounts, a lot of psalms, a lot of vineyards, a lot of winemakers. I I maybe saw one or two people saying like Black Lives Matter and it wasn't okay. And then we addressed our industry 
and how we have been supportive in this industry, but we do not feel like we have been supported. Yes. Um, and specifically, yeah, we buy your wines, we go to your events. We just want to be not even, I can't even say that. We don't want to just be seen. We wanted to be supported and included. And that's something that I've really struggled with in this industry is inclusion. So, you know, I, with the fundraiser that we did, I thought that the response was incredible. Um, we started with an initial goal of 5,000 that was hit basically within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And then we um, updated the goal to 10,000, hit that, updated the goal to 15. And right now we're short by like $300, but that money has been given to an organization that we both really care about in the Central Coast, Race Matters, that's based in San Luis Obispo. Um which actually started four years ago in response to police brutality. And now they highlight all of um, black business owners, black creatives, um, black wine professionals in this area. So they're crucial um, to what we want to see in the central coast. But I had a, a few DMS. I had a few emails um, and some people were incredibly responsive. There was a group on Facebook called Women in Wine. I felt that they really jumped to action when we posted it in there. We did. Lots of women um, commented. Tons of women donated whatever they could, either from their wineries or personally, which was amazing to see that kind of solidarity. Yes. Um, And a couple of people asked me, I ended up getting emails being like, well, do you know any black people looking for internships? And I was like, well, I don't know every single black person in the Central Coast, but you're not a monolith and you're not doing the work if you're asking me to find the people for you. Exactly. Um, So exactly. That being said, I also I was disappointed with a couple of publications that reached out to me. Um, How did they show your your voice? Did they show it correctly? Well, I didn't really think they were trying to show it at all, to be honest. Like, I thought that the questions that they were asking me were very pointed. Um, it made it seem like they had an agenda, like they were looking for shock factor. Yeah. And they were looking for something extreme to make a headline. And it, I, I talked to you about it. I talked to a couple of my friends back home in Michigan about it. And I was just like, these are big publications. Yes. And I don't, it, it's not important to me to have exposure from these magazines. I don't care about that. You were fine before. Yeah. I, it's not something that I was asking for. This is a story that you want for your paper, for your magazine. And it's like, you're trying to extract this trauma from me. Yes. And to be honest, like that shit is hard to talk about. And I've been talking about it a lot over the past few months. Like not only from people that I don't know that are hitting me up from like, Instagram follows being like, what should I do? Like, what are your experiences? Just some people asking really personal stuff and also other people being like, well, what, what black winemakers do you know that I should follow? What this, that, and the other. And at first I responded and I was like, well, Julia Coney has a black wine professionals like page. You can find whatever you want on there. There's tons of black wine professionals there. Like just go and, and look. Do your own research. Yeah. And then I started getting angry. Yes. <laughs> I got there. Yes. It was just frustrating. I was just like, you know, I had to do the work 
to find these other black wine professionals. So like, why now do I just have to give you this information? Yeah, it just, that was really disappointing to me, especially because our, our feeds were flooded. Flooded. All black, everything. Like everything was about BLM. Everything was about the protest. Everything was trying to highlight creatives. Yes. Um, highlight artists, highlight musicians. Like every industry was trying to spotlight yes. um, the black community, which leads into your performative question. Yes. They spot, spotlight, they highlighted the black community, not everyone obviously, but a few of the accounts that I follow posted a black square and then crickets. Yep. A couple really big accounts that I follow maybe posted like, like with clothing. I follow a lot of clothing um, stores. I don't know what to call them um, on social media. And they put in like a couple black models Yeah. and then went back to their regularly scheduled program. And I was just like, I sent a couple of them messages. Like one of them was um, Blundstone. Mm-hmm. I wear those shoes in the cellar. Yes. I wear them all the time. All and the I sent time. them a message being like, big fan of your shoes. Not a fan of how you're doing. Yeah. Not a fan of how just completely vanilla your timeline is. Yes. And they sent me a message back. Um, basically being like, well, we realized that um, our influencer portfolio used to be more diverse. It's something that we're working on. Thank you for reaching out. And I was like, okay, it used to be. So now what? Right. Don't like, don't go outside the question. You didn't ask me the question. And I'm also like, now I feel like I'm hyper aware of it. Like the accounts that I follow, I'll like look through the first few slides and if there's not uh, a representative of the black community on there. Yes. No. Nope. There's no excuse. There's, there's no excuse. really not. Like, you can't tell me that there's not enough black models to wear your clothing exactly. or to work at your company or to to commission a piece for your museum. Yes. Like, I, it's bullshit now. It is. And then that goes into the whole importance of if you're going to use us, pay us for our labor. Can't say it enough. You have to pay us for pay us for our labor. Yeah. And it's something that I really struggle with because I like, I almost feel like people feel like they're doing me a favor. They're like, we're going to give you this experience and extract all of your knowledge and everything that you've worked hard to build your knowledge and your intelligence on the matter. But this is exposure for you. And I'm like, I, I very much like, I would say for the majority of my life, probably until this year would have been like, oh yeah, you're right. I'll do it. I'll do anything. Like I'll do it for free. No big deal. Like not trying to ruffle any feathers. I'll put in, I'm a hard worker and I'll put in a ton of hours and like, we'll see nothing has come to fruition. You know, like you get this from me and then what do I get? Like I have bills, you know? Yes. So I think it's more just for me, confidence and asking for what I deserve is something that I really struggle with. And um, well, your work, I'm working on that. Because you were amazing. Thank you. You were amazing. So are you. 
Love you. So my next question, as you know, it's Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. What are the ways in which you make space for yourself um, over these last few months, black people in general, as uh, well as specifically within the wine industry, have been asked to talk about their story, talk about their pain. Like you said, trauma porn, the whole idea of monetizing off the pain of black bodies. I love this question. Um, because mental health, it, it's a conversation that we had to have in my family because of my mother, but it's also something that the black community, immigrants, we deny it. Um, and we're very much to say like depression doesn't exist and yes. anxiety isn't real and everything further than that. Um, so it's still something that I struggle with. Um, you introduced me to Erica. Yes. Who is an incredible hospitality professional living in Washington, D.C. And looking at her page and especially the things that she posts about like breathing and taking time for yourself and also like holding yourself accountable for just relaxing and um, just taking care of your mental health. Yes. Harmony. For me, like, I have always been the type of person to work seven days a week. I'll work whatever hours, seven days a week. And I've never really thought that, like, I need to take the appropriate time for my mental health because I, I, um, I've had my own bouts with depression and anxiety, and I didn't really know how to process it. I didn't know to call it depression or anxiety. I just felt so overwhelmed to the point of tears on a regular basis. And it's like, it's something that I've struggled with for years and I've never really known like who to talk about it with or to talk about to mostly I just felt like I was being a burden on other people. Yes. And you're not, I, I still feel that way though. Like I still feel like I hold a lot in, Mm -hmm. um, but now I think I'm a little bit more active with being like, I am so overwhelmed today. Like I have X, Y, and Z going on. I have these projects. I'm currently starting a new job. Like today I felt very stressed. Yeah. And before we hopped on this call, I was just like, I'm going to have a gin and tonic. Good. I'm going to cook some curry. So I can have that for supper. Comfort food has been like, I've been making so much curry over the past couple of months. Um, but it's it's little things like that as well. Just like standing in my kitchen, taking a deep breath, like breath work and meditation is something that I never really believed in um, until a friend of mine from back home was just like, honestly, it changed my life. Just focus on your breath. Do it for like 10 minutes a day. And I'm I'm not very good at doing it for 10 minutes a day. But whenever I do actually get the chance to just properly be in silence and to breathe. Like I can't tell you how like pivotal it's been for my mental state over the past few months, really for the past couple of weeks, even good. Um, but I still like, I look for resources on social media. Mostly um, I'm looking for a therapist right now on the central coast. And that's been a little bit tricky for me. I've reached out to a few people. Would you um, want a black therapist? 
I would love a black therapist. And there are finally outlets to be able to find black therapists. Um, after this session, I'll, I'll figure out what it's called. I think it's called Ayana. Um, but they basically connect you to different black therapists in your area. That Send means it to me. we don't have a lot of black therapists, black people in this area. Black people, period. You know, period. <laughs> but we're going to find it. We're going to find find people. Yes. Well, I'm working on it. It took me a long time to like actually accept that talking to someone is okay. Yes. Um, that it doesn't make me weak or being weak is actually okay too. Yes. I yes. don't have to be strong all the time. And yeah, that's something that like I have really struggled with. Um, but I have a friend also in Michigan who posts a lot about taking time for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, being able to just accept where you are, to believe in yourself. Um, and she posts stuff every day. Her name's Kendra. She's amazing. Um, highly recommend that anyone follows her because she is so just full of wisdom. Her her presence is calming. Like you look at her and you feel relaxed. Like, Can't wait to follow her. She is amazing. At Kendra Valkama. I take that back. She is now using her Korean name at soon period he period Lee. Go on. Yes. Yes. You follow me on social media. I repost her stuff all the time. Perfect. Yes. So Does that answer your question? Yes, it's <laughs> like I just went on a rant. No, you did not. That wasn't a rant at all. That was every single thing I wanted to hear. So a follow-up question to that is, you said you're starting to learn more about yourself. You're really coming into your own. You know, everybody always says every seven years we go through a, a rebirth and a, and a renewal. How would you say you show up as your full authentic self? And if you don't feel comfortable yet, what are ways in which the people around you can support you to become your true authentic self? You know, you and Kendra actually um, have really made me attention that question. Identity is something that I've really struggled with my whole life as a person of mixed race. And coming from South Africa, like I'm third generation colored. So our heritage is mixed and mixed and mixed. Right. So knowing how to identify is something that I've really struggled with. Um, and I never really knew what to call myself. It's like mixed people in America talk about this all the time, like being too black for the white kids and too white for the black kids. And right. I was in marching band and I was in honors classes and I speak like this and I got put into a box and I can't tell you how many times I've been called an Oreo in my life. Oh my God. I was about to say, I'm not your Oreo. Uh, um, yeah. Black but people I have love anime. Black people can love defense. Black people can love dungeons and dragons. I tried to learn dungeons and dragons in high I'm school. I'm playing my first game <laughs> on Monday and I'm so excited. Yeah. I'll give you me? Yes, I oh will. my gosh. We need to touch back on this after this call. However, <laughs> um, yeah, I just like, I found myself so desperate to, fit in to my white peers in school. Like I lied about really dumb things just to seem like I was on the same level or smarter than them or that my family had the same amount of clout and wealth. And I agree. I, yeah. yeah. I just tried to be something that I wasn't a lot. And it's still something that I struggle with, like having to prove myself to people. So I think that I'm very slowly becoming more authentically myself. Um, I think that this year has been really pivotal in me finding my voice um, and my voice is still developing. Um, 
I have convictions and I have strong convictions, but I look at someone like Ashton Berry, who has a powerful voice, not even like, not even just speaking about platform, speaking about like confidence and intelligence in communicating your message. That's something that I really admire. Like thank the deities that gave us Ashton Berry. I really look up to her and she's such a role model and everything that she's doing. How people find Ashton Berry? She, I follow her Instagram account, which is at the period collectress. We're at the collectress. Yeah. Um, but she also runs a page and an event and a whole platform called Radical Exchange, which is at Radical X, like the letter, not EX, change. Um, and they're also constantly posting um, about the black community. If you are looking, actively looking to be anti-racist, check out both of those pages. They are incredible resources. And she's really helped me find confidence in how to properly communicate how I feel in doing the research when I am posting something. Um, And also mental health. She's talking about mental health a lot over this month. And it's something that I need to take a step back. It's something that I need to evaluate for myself. Um, But I'm still, I'm on a journey of, of, showing up more authentically and really just having confidence in myself and who I am and what I believe in. Okay. And like I said, you take your time because you're in the right, you're going in the right direction. I'm trying. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, I have one last question for you. Okay. What's your deathbed meal and wine? This is easy actually. I would have my Ma Edie's chicken curry with peas and my Ma Christina's handmade rotis that takes like hours to make. Mm. You roll them. There's so much butter in them. Like it is. I don't want to think about how bad for you it is because it is so delicious. But that's like traditional South African food. And I would easy deathbed. That is that is what I want. And to share it with my family because there's sitting around at a table with them and cracking jokes and eating curry is like some of the, the best moments of my life. <laughs> there's so many questions that like I wanted to give back to you too. I know. Right. You know how much that I want to talk back. No, I know for one, I kind of want to just give that authentic self question back to you. How do you think that you've really progressed with showing up um, authentically and genuinely And do you feel like you're being supported? I do feel like I'm being supported. I feel so much support from you. I feel so much support from my boyfriend, from my family. Um, I'm originally from Washington, D.C., so I don't get to see my family very often. I'm actually going home next week to go and see them, and I can't wait to just just be with them. Um, I'm really excited about that. My, my true authentic self is being able to be at home sometimes all by myself, sometimes with you or, you know, with a group of friends um, and be able to just talk out my emotions, talk out my feelings. I've definitely been dealing with finding my own harmony and making sure not to overwork myself and understanding and realizing that my voice is important and my voice deserves to be heard and um, I deserve to be listened to. 
I love my rat babies. I am fully and truly officially a rat mom. <laughs> my mom has said she never wants to touch them. Um, and I don't mind. Uh, just gives me a little bit more loving. Um, I have grown a lot. I have grown a lot within these last few years. But honestly, I've grown a lot within these last few months. If this had happened a few years ago, I don't know if I would have been, you know, if the black law, if, if George Floyd had been murdered a few years ago, I don't know if I would have responded as outwardly as I am now, because I was still so afraid of what white people would do and what white people would say. If I'm just being totally honest, I was scared. Absolutely. Um, And I'm not scared anymore. Like you I'm being my true authentic self. And if the things I'm saying and the things I'm posting don't go along with you, then we just don't go along. Yeah. That's something like I, I feel that especially living in an area that is over 80% white, the central coast is over 80% white. So the people in our community, this is a very small community too. Like there are no big cities here. And it feels like everybody kind of knows each other. And that's something that I was really nervous about too, is if I speak out on this, is this going to affect my job? Like I'm trying to build a life here. Is it going to affect how I have a lifestyle? Yes. And I mean, people think that California is like a very progressive liberal place and it is, but that's very focused predominantly in the big cities. It is here too, but there is a huge conservative presence where I live, I've seen at least four conservative or Confederate flags, like yes. here, like five yes. minutes away from where I live when I'm going to Vons. Yes. And for me, like every time I see it, I'm just like, oh, you know, my core. Yeah, I. It just, it's so. I feel what you're saying. Like, I don't know if I would have had the confidence to say to to put out that letter with you, yes. to write that with you. Yes. They reach out to our friends to get their feedback. Yes. So uh, how do you think that you really gained this confidence over the past few years? Because to me, when I first met you, you had this massive smile on your face. You were talking about the lines that are in front of you. You're super engaging and personable. Like, I can't imagine you any other way. Right. I um, <laughs> <laughs> I have imposter syndrome. Like, I think I push myself to be so giddy and to be so happy and to be so bubbly because deep down I'm like, Oh my God, what if I'm saying all the indirect things? What if people are going to know that I'm wrong and I just have to, you know, show my best self, not only to the people that I'm interacting with, but to myself. And I feel like the more events that I go to and the more people that I talk to, I realize that I am powerful and I am knowledgeable and people like I like I said people want to listen to me um and honestly going back to radical exchange I went this last February right before COVID really hit the ceiling Mm -hmm. um and I I I thank the gods every day for the opportunity to be to have gone because there are so many people in that organization and that went to that event that have totally changed me to my core yeah yeah alicia mm-hmm. ashton barry yeah all, all people that i follow now all, all the people, people that you've shown me 
they're like they're just so knowledgeable and they're so centered and grounded within themselves so they make me want to be a better version of myself mm. my mom has told me since the day i could remember the moment i can remember surround yourself with those that lift you higher oh that is so no, true no, and so beautiful and such a mom thing going. to say it's such a mom thing to say i love it no, so mom is right. Surrounding yourself with those that lift you higher, and you are one of those people. I'm glad to be one of those people for you, and you are definitely one of those people for me. And to have each other this close, you know, as well, like we're not even just virtually close or close because of the wine community. We're also physically close to each other, which is huge for me. Like to have you 15 minutes away from me. Like, I can't tell you how much it makes, scream. It makes me so happy to have also, we gotta have electric mayhem. Yes, I am so ready. And those chocolate turtles. Oh, yeah. What was um, what's the name of his business? Uh, Philip Ashley Chocolates. OK, Philip Ashley Chocolates. Yes, yeah. we attended. Um, so, so excited. You talk about it. Oh, Radical yeah. Exchange. So um, Radical Exchange put on this amazing event um, a few last month and it was called HBCU. So it talked about hospitality, beverage, um, culture and unity. Mm -hmm. And they were different, different um, sections based off of coffee and the history of coffee um, and the racist history of coffee and all the ways in which workers like in wine are mistreated and exploited. They and yeah. exploited. They talk about the history of rum. They talked mm -hmm. about the history of whiskey, um, of chocolate, mm -hmm. of whiskey. Oh, and yeah. this was a totally free event. And, and it lasted the whole day. It lasted the entire day. And they had a seminar with Philip Ashley Chocolate. Um, and Madam uh, St. Germain of St. Germain and they had this really cool interactive session where she made all these different cocktails and he was making this chocolate pudding and it was just so incredible. And there were just so many things that I learned about from that entire day. Uh, so much. So much. Like, so I want to watch it again. The coffee session straight off the bat taught me, like, oh, yeah. I don't know shit about coffee. Like, I, 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 coffee does make me twitch, but I also, like, it's like that placebo kind of thing too, you know, like uh -huh. I, I feel like I'm more active and I feel like I'm getting shit done after I've had a cup of coffee. Yes. So I want to learn more about coffee because people compare it to wine a lot. And when you taste coffees, it's like you're tasting it the same as wine. You're tasting it for acid. You're tasting it for body. You're tasting it for tannin. And I never knew that. And Tamika, yeah. The women that were in on that call were incredible. And I would, I'd love to have like a session longer than that, just listening to them talk about their practices and their businesses and what they've done because all of them were just so incredibly knowledgeable and just fascinating to watch and funny and yes. incredible women. Like it was, it was just the whole thing. The whole event was really well curated. The DJ was fire. Tip McPierce is the Tip one. McPierce! Shout out at Tip McPierce. At Tip McPierce. Yeah. <laughs> All the music was amazing. Yeah, oh, like goodness. it was just if you if you get something out of our talk today, please follow Radical Exchange. Follow the collectress and listen and sit 
with your uncomfortability. And if you're uncomfortable, ask yourself some questions. And that's that on that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Consumed. I'm grateful for all of your ears every single day. The podcast is produced by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. I hope you'll support the businesses and people featured this season and come back for another season of Consumed this winter. Until then, take care. Take care.